Lent is the one time of the year when everyone goes all legalistic with our faith. Can I eat meat today? That's the question I get a lot. I was asked the other day whether we had to have a vegetarian meal on Ash Wednesday. Vegetarian? Or what I call the Lenten cop-out. You don't have to fast on Sundays. Once, someone asked me if pork was considered red meat. Really? People, giving up meat on Fridays is good. But you're missing the point. Lent is a time when we are supposed to get rid of the stuff that gets in the way between us and God. Fasting, prayer, and almsgiving are disciplines that help us focus on what's essential. Jesus went into the desert because in the desert is where we have the bare minimum. We get rid of the stuff that we don't need, the extras, so we can focus on the essentials, so we can focus on our relationship with God. It's not about eating meat or not eating meat. It's not about, should I fast on Sundays? You can fast whenever you want. You should give stuff up. It should be a sacrifice. It should hurt a little. If you can't come up with anything better or that is specific to where you are in your spiritual life, then the church suggests giving up red meat on Fridays. But it's just a suggestion. Besides, we should be focusing on our relationship with God all the time. So prayer, fasting, and almsgiving is a year-round discipline. Remember Psalm 51? You do not delight in sacrifice. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm Emily Callen. I am Billy Chan. And the three of us are here, the, the Holy Trinity. <laughs> Is that us? Can we really call ourselves No, we probably Holy can't. <laughs> I think that name's taken. That's true. It's got copyright. Copywritten. Um, but, but not just the three of us are here, because we have people listening, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully we have people <laughs> listening. I have confidence. You have confidence. So, yeah. And I want to do a little shout-out, because we cannot do this show without our partner radio station. So the Catholic Channel... On Sirius XM 129, the Spirit Catholic Radio Network, Holy Family Radio, the Lamb Radio Network, the Baraga Radio Network, and KHRM Catholic Radio in Anchorage, Alaska. So hello to everyone listening to us over the air, but also a reminder that we're available on iTunes, thanks to Billy. So we need people to log in and write a nice review and give us lots of stars. Lots of stars. So that we, you know, move up in the ratings. Now, um, um, you guys, okay, so a listener who downloads the show off iTunes, his name is Max Papillon, wrote Mm, to us, mm -hmm. and you know how, no, he didn't write to us, sorry, he sent us a message. Great. You know how he sent us the message, Billy? Oh. Twitter? Oh, no. no. Um, he used the app the, on our on website. our on our website, okay? Yes. So you it's a very neat thing. It says send us voicemail and you just click click on it and you talk. And and this is what Max said. Hello, Salt and Light Hour, Deacon Pedro and Gang. Uh, I do think your voicemail widget here is really cool. If it doesn't cost you anything to keep it up, uh, please do so. Uh, it's quite nice for those of us who at any given time don't feel like typing. I'm catching up on past uh, podcasts, listened to your November 18th episode, and I am still chuckling over the comment about uh, when Deacon Pedro said uh, that he feels like in heaven every time he looks into Billy's eyes. Uh, I'm just about to burst laughing right now. Uh, So great show overall the year. 
the bearded saints uh, and gospel writers were quite interesting as well. Uh, Billy, I do enjoyed. I did enjoy your uh, afterlife uh, segments. Uh, I still feel like, even though there, heaven hell is a state, it could be somewhere in space and time. There's got to be a spot too. And that's also been talked about by mystics and what have you not. So I don't know. Anyway, some other time. Uh, keep up the good work, guys. And God bless. Take care. Billy, t'es français. Salut, man. J'espère t'entendre à mon nez. Salut. Bye-bye. Oh, thank you. There you God go. Bless. That's awesome, God Billy. Um, I just want to say, Max Papillon, um, Emily is very hurt. <laughs> Because you mentioned me and you mentioned Billy and you spoke French to Billy and yeah. you didn't speak French to Emily. I'm the Francophone. She's the Francophone. <laughs> so um, next time, um, thank you. Thank you. Good comments from Max and a good question about the being yeah. a state or being a physical place of the afterlife. Maybe that we can talk about mm. that at yeah. some point. I don't, I don't know. Um, Church for Dummies. So wow. um, again, it's really easy. Max just went to our webpage, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. He clicked on the side tab there where it says send voicemail, and he just spoke for... And it's very encouraging, right? I mean, you know, I've been happy for like the, the past <laughs> six months. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So thanks, Max Papillon, for making Billy happy. Um, thank you for sending that yeah, message. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so guys, a usual show. Actually, no, it's not really a usual show because we're going to do something different <laughs> because we're all going to do news and we're all going to do Church for Dummies just because it's so much fun. Um, but uh, um, any highlights on the news, Emily? Do we know what we're talking about today? Yeah, we do. I mean, there's some some big things that happened maybe more recently. Actually, can I can I share a really cool thing that we're yeah, going to talk you about? Can. Go ahead. So there's the pre-synod that's coming up. Yes. And and you know what, guys? You uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You are the main character. Should I say it now or just wait? No, you no, should. no. Make the announcement later. Okay, I'll make the announcement later. Okay. I'm really excited about it. Um, so there's news about the pre-synod. Yes, the pre-synod happening in that. Rome. I will. In I'll March. explain the pre-synod. Yeah, exactly. And there's um, some, some some news. There's about some that. anniversaries. What? Sorry, some anniversaries. Yes, there are some anniversaries. Uh-huh. Uh, well, P- Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, Pope yes. Emeritus, the um, fifth, year, fifth right? year that he since he resigned. Mm-hmm. It's also the mm-hmm. fifth year of Pope, obviously Pope Francis's uh, election. Uh-huh. Um, there was also a debate in New York City yeah. um, a week ago. That's right. New Francis so five. France called Francis at five. So. I'll briefly uh, talk, talk about, about that because it revolves around Pope Francis's uh, anniversary and so okay very good yeah. so we're going to get some updates about that and yeah. Billy you have a question about Lent what was yes. the Church for Dummies question oh you know for Lent there's a lot of questions but in your intro has said a lot of different things but I have a can I just say since <laughs> I did that I- since I did that intro I actually received a I text I really like that okay I'm not kidding you okay I literally just received this text a minute ago from a friend mm-hmm. okay I think I've asked you this before, but I forget. During Lent, can you have what you're giving up on Sundays? Okay, that Lenten <laughs> cop the, the big question. That's like, and does yeah. does Lent go to Palm Sunday or Holy Thursday or Easter Sunday? Like, why is it 40 days if, it, you know, because anyway. It's actually, so, s- okay. Uh, okay we, we, we can talk about that. There's a, always a lot of question around when, when it's around Lent about yeah. food. About food, yes. <laughs> and about like fasting and those kind of things. Yes. But it's funny because nobody cares that the church <laughs> says that you have to go to church every Sunday. Yeah. But also during Lent, everybody cares about whether we can eat or not eat meat on Fridays. Yeah. Right. But it's only two yeah. days. And even <laughs> not just Catholics either. Or, or not just like practicing Catholics. No, yeah, you're right. Even it's, non-Catholics yeah. are like, so eat fit? And, and anyway, yeah. whatever. We, we can talk about that. And cool. I'm sure if you have comments... Go to our website, click on the voicemail tab, and send us a voicemail message. Yeah. Um, okay, so here's the question for you guys for the, for, for the day. Catholic novels, 
Catholic if, novel. If I told yes. you, if I told you, do you know what a Catholic novel is? Yes, because I've read one before. One. <laughs> is it? <laughs> well, no, 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 no because no, no. there's a difference between a Catholic novel and a spiritual it, book, like a uh, a Catholic, you know, book on uh, yeah, prayer, yeah. So, yeah, for so example. Not, right? Yeah, so it's I'm not, talking about fiction, like Catholic fiction. Right. Okay. No, I have actually. I don't think I've ever read. So you're Catholic talking about a, a story that about Catholic, or is a there's a Catholic value in the story. I don't know. I'm asking you. Like, is I it... Could, no, you could say that Dan Brown, the yeah, Da Vinci, t- is a Catholic novel, but it, it's... Um, not. So, like, so no, like C.S. Lewis, but he's... He's not Catholic. He's not Catholic. No, but they're Christian. Could you say that confused. C.S. Lewis is a Christian book? Yeah. Uh-huh. Could you say that Lord of the Rings is a Catholic novel? Can I say yes? Yeah. <laughs> I, I I thought they a lot there's a lot of like Catholic yeah. elements inside the book. Right. Okay. So so clearly we don't know what we mean when we say Catholic. But novel. when I said that the Vinci cookies also has a lot of, can I say a lot of Catholic elements? But it's wrong. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, no, uh, right. Father it, Elijah, the author of Father, mm-hmm. Michael O'Brien. Uh huh. He's a Catholic so, author. So, okay. So Michael that O'Brien is a Catholic author. He's writing books that are Catholic themed. Yes. And is he writing them with the express purpose to evangelize? evangelize? I don't know, but I it's possible. Mm-hmm. It's possible. So I would say that it's novels. It's like Catholic music. Are you? Is it just that the music is talks about Jesus or the church, or is mm. it that the singer is Catholic, or is it that mm. the purpose of the music is to evangelize? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, another question for people. Go to our website, yeah. click on the tab, send us a voicemail. Anyway, we're going to be um, talking about this later on because there's a deacon, Dennis Lambert, who just published a novel. It's called The Table. And he's going to not so much. I'm not interested to talk to him about the novel as much as I'm interested to talk to him about that whole experience to try to get his novel pub- published, um, which was a whole other conversation. So that's going to be at the end of the program. And then... We're going to be speaking with Douglas Hutchings. He's from a band called the Full Armor Band. They are awesome. We've had them on the show before. They're they're a great little band, like a church music group from uh, Middletown, New York. Um, but they're not your usual church music group. I mean, they they have this is their third album, a new album that's titled uh, "The Things That Last." So that's going to be at the end of the first, uh, sorry, of the second half hour. So why don't we start with a song as we always do? Um, So here's the full armor band with I Am Not Worthy from their new album, The Things That Last. The troublemaker, heartbreaker The successful 20-something and I'm no good for nothing Hated politician and a girl with no ambition Overachiever, doubtful believer Accidental flirt and a big extrovert Nonconformist hipster and a bully over Twitter Serial monogamist, the highest theologist
just heard the full armor band with I Am Not Worthy from their new album, The Things That Last. And we're going to be speaking with Douglas Hutchings of the full armor band in our second half hour. But first, Emily's still here with the news and Billy's also still here because he just wants to hang around. Thank you. That's okay. I like having Billy around. Wow. Just like Max. Like Max. <laughs> surprised by I'm that? I'm surprised he said this. Because when you look into his eyes, I you see feel like you've come yeah, home. exactly. <laughs> Go ahead. So, so you mentioned that there's... Well, you said that there's some anniversaries, but you already told us what they were. So that's not sure. news anymore. I'm sorry. See, I always do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still haven't learned my lesson. Um, yes. Well, I was saying that there is one thing I held off on. Okay. Um, yes. Was the pre-synod. So um, for those of you who who don't know what the pre-synod is. Or um, synod. Or a synod. <laughs> exactly. Um, essentially, next October in 2018, so this year, um, the bishops from around the world are going to be gathering in Rome um, as they've done uh, in previous years, th- not every year, yes. um, but for, for, you know, during special times. And they're going to be talking on youth, faith and vocational discernment. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, in the fall, the Pope called for a pre-synod. Mm-hmm. This is special. It's it's kind of an extraordinary thing. It's not typical that a Pope calls for a, a pre-synod and especially pre-synod with young people. Yeah. Oh. So this pre-synod is going to be attended by 
roughly 300 people. So it's in a way, it's not a synod because it's not a meeting of bishops. Exactly. It's a meeting of young people. It's like a youth forum. Basically, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, the, the young people who are going there, there's delegates from, from you know, two or three delegates per country who are going to be at this this meeting, mm-hmm. uh, this week-long meeting. And uh, there's going to be, you know, uh, discussions about what youth are, young people are facing in the church, like their challenges, their joys, um, you know, and, and I guess what their hopes are for for this synod with the bishops in October and they're going to come up with a, a document that they're that will be presented t- to the bishops in Rome which will help them in their own deliberations for the real synod for the real synod okay yeah. and you happen to know who the two from Canada are yeah <laughs> well you're sitting in front of one of them <laughs> Billy well not me <laughs> Emily right so yeah. Emma, <laughs> yeah, okay. so that's the big news so that's Emily, the big news so I'll get to go to this Emily uh, Callan is one of two delegates yeah. that are officially from the Canadian bishops that are being sent to to Rome for and you're going with a, another young man from Saskatchewan from Saskatchewan right. exactly right um, and uh, yeah so he'll he'll be there as well he's a, a young man um, in university mm-hmm. right now and uh, yeah so I'm, I'm excited to meet him and to talk to him and see what he also so you know. um, do you also go with a bishop is a Canadian bishop going no do you, not no, this time. just young people. Yeah. And yeah. have you received any information, like the package, like what to prepare? Not or yet. Okay, I know, well, no, not yet, Pedro. You still have yeah. another month. Yeah, exactly. So there's still time to prepare. Um, but in the meantime, it's great because I, um, you know. Because you, you get can, to go to Rome. I get to go to Rome. <laughs> but I also get to have really interesting conversations with people, you know. So now how, that long, there's like, how long do you go for? For a week. Yeah. So it starts like a week before Palm Sunday. And then on Palm Sunday, because this is normal, okay, right? Okay, like, Youth Day. Exactly. So there will be Mass with the Pope at the so Vatican. So it's the week before Palm Sunday, mm-hmm. the, the week before Holy Week. Yeah. Okay, so that week, we will get you on the phone from Rome. All right. So you can yeah, give us an update, exactly. okay? Well, yeah. we, I like, I like to cool. do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you're at best Looking Italian. Looking forward to it. I'll do my best. Okay, so you, you mm-hmm. don't know, you've just found out, you don't know, know any other information, you don't yeah. know who the delegates from other countries are? Uh, some of them have been announced, like I, there, you know, I got to see the names uh, of the ones who are coming from the, uni- the United States. I've okay. also seen the names of those coming from France, um, and I was actually contacted by one of the delegates from the <laughs> UK, and he was like, cool. hey, I found you on Facebook, and I recognize your name, so... And I'm a <laughs> single 30-year-old male. <laughs> Actually, more like oh, 22 or something. So. <laughs> okay, so good. So that's good news. That's good news. And yeah. there was something else you wanted to talk about, an event that took place in New York City. In New York, yes, exactly. On January 31st. Exactly. So Salt and Light got to um, not broadcast on TV, but essentially we got we to webcast. we webcasted the exactly, the a debate that happened between two prominent Catholics um from the the United States. So Ross Douthat and Massimo Fagioli. Okay. Massimo Fagioli is a professor at Villanova University and yes. and a theology professor. And Ross Douthat is a New York Times columnist. Mm, um, right. So both of them, there's 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 been history between them. This was actually the first time they met in person, but they have been, you know, I guess debating over social media quite oh, okay. a bit in the past over few the years. Over, Wait, and this yeah. was about Pope Francis. So this was about Pope Francis, about his legacy and his impact in the world because okay. they have 
very diverging views sometimes in, in terms of, you know, whether or not they agree with the Pope or, you know, what they think his impact has been so far. So it was really interesting to, to see them come head to head in a way, um, you know, and sometimes the gloves came off and things were a little really? bit heated. Okay, and this is online. So this is online, it? so you can definitely go and watch it. SaltandLightTV.org. Yes. Slash uh, Francis at five. Francis at, at five. At five. The yes. symbol at or at? No, at. Francis at five. Yes. On our website, SaltandLightTV.org. Yeah. And there is a video and audio. Okay. Oh. Yes. This time we, we have an audio file you can download. You can there play you it on go. the phone and you can just listen to it. And oh, it's quite interesting. Can. Perfect. Interesting. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, that's great. And you were at, you were uh, facilitating so, this debate. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. So so this was organized um, by Fordham's University. Uh, sorry, Fordham University. Um, their Center for Religion and Culture. Okay. Uh, and so uh, the director for that center is David Gibson, mm-hmm. and so he was the one who was um, facilitating this this okay. debate. And it was a collaboration with Religion News Service. Okay, right. And so was this your first time in New York City? My first time in New York City. So this is how we're going to get people who live in New York and listen to this program right to us, because Emily loved not very much <laughs> New York City. Okay, I know, but she listen, I, I, I... She hated New York she City. She kept complaining when she come back. I was complaining, but listen, people, I mean... It was, it's winter, It's winter. It was windy, and it was cold. I love There's New York City in the winter. Everywhere, the it was loud. But here's the thing, like, I am, I'm very open to, to going back in the summertime. Okay, so we want all our listeners who are in the <laughs> New York City area to invite Emily to your beautiful city. Uh, she we, wants to go in the summer. We should do a I show do. there. I mean, we should do a yeah, show there I to do. our Catholic Channel listeners. Anyway, so thank you. Lots of uh, interesting stuff. Go to our website, saltonitv.org, to uh, watch that uh, program, Francis at Five. Send your comments to Emily at her Twitter, at Emmy Callan. And Billy, you're at? Bijo Chan. Thank you. Hi, I'm Emma Fred, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can stay in touch with what's happening on this show by following me on Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. And now it's time for Church for Dummies. And Emily's here with I us again so because this is just so much fun. <laughs> I really like. This I thought you were going to say you're getting tired of me. <laughs> No. <laughs> so no, I like Emily's here, here again. No, no, no. Emily's here because she is our Lenten expert. Really? Am uh, I? I don't know. I'm not. <laughs> yes, I am. And okay. Billy has some questions about Lent. Yes, we have a. I have a question. Um, okay. Uh, this the, the question is, it sounds silly, but I think everyone really wants to know it, and maybe you can bring up more questions because of that. If I am a vegetarian. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'm shaking just, my head. I know yes. vegetarians. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I am. No, because oh, Lent is all about what? Food. Lent is no. all about food. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's so, what people think. Yes. Okay. But that's why I want to bring this out. Maybe mm-hmm. we have more questions later on. But if I'm a vegetarian, how can I sacrifice that? You know, you know, from your intro, we are all talking about sacrifice. We need to do something. A little bit hurts maybe, but, you know, we need to do something for God. But if I'm already vegetarian and I cannot eat meat anyway, so... If you're vegetarian, you have I do? to eat meat. I, <laughs> does it mean that? You're already suffering. Okay. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> you have to eat bacon. No, listen. Come on. That just goes back to my point I was making. Yes. Like, it's, it's not about 
meat or not meat or vegetables. Mm-hmm. And it's certainly not about eating fish because some people think it's the church says that you have to eat fish on Fridays. Oh, it's you don't? A, no. Oh. No, you're supposed to give something up. And the church suggests, because most people, if they think, oh, what should I give up? And they can't come up with anything. So the church suggests that maybe you can give up red meat if you normally eat red meat. Why? Because most of the time, and we do in North America particularly, we eat way too much meat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay? Or chicken or so pork or whatever. So no. <laughs> meat, no. <laughs> chicken, <laughs> meat, anything. So what I think, what I think makes sense is if you can't think of anything to give up, okay. let's say that normally for dinner you have a piece of chicken and some pasta and some vegetables, okay? Or a piece of meat and some rice and some salad, okay? okay. So what you would do is remove the chicken or remove the meat oh, and just have the vegetables and the pasta so basically, or just have the rice, okay? So then you're you're not replacing the meat okay. with lobster or shrimp <laughs> or, or, you know, fish. You're You're removing it so that you're eating a little less, you're sacrificing something. I mean, that's not a great sacrifice. You can eat all the mm-hmm. rice you want and still be full and some vegetables. And then an extended, uh, uh, an extension of that is, well, then if you do that every Friday during Lent, presumably you've saved some money from having to buy all that meat. Uh-huh. Then put that money in a little can. And buy lobster? <laughs> no, no, I mean. <laughs> and then at Easter, yeah, and then take that money uh-huh. th- and give it to the poor. There's your almsgiving. Ah. That's what makes sense. So basically, I need to give up something daily. I used. I and, would. I would give up something give, daily and give that extra to somebody else yes. who need it. So, but there's a distinction because the church talks about f- abstinence. Uh-huh. It's not the same thing as fasting. Oh no. No. Oh. So what does that mean? That abstinence. So, so when because the church will say. You're supposed to be the Emily's supposed to be the Lenten expert here. Okay, so I don't Joe, know, but you're doing time. such a good job. Pedro. Okay, so so abstinence. <laughs> I am the deacon. Um, abstinence. Can I say it first? Because the church will say that Ash Wednesday, so this Wednesday yeah. that just passed, is a day of fasting and abstinence. Fridays is a day of fasting and abstinence. Oh. Every day of Lent is a day of fasting. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay, so we have some days that are fasting, some days that are abstinence, some days that are fasting and abstinence. So that means that both things are are different. So what's and abstinence? abstinence what? So yeah. abstinence is giving something up like giving meat. Oh. So you're abstaining from eating meat. If you're a vegetarian, you abstain from, I don't know, eating carrots. I don't know, whatever you... It's th- also related to food? Or for no, example, you can abstain if I from, play video games every day, yes, and yes. that day I just... Give up not playing that. Yes. So so the Lenten, uh, what we normally give up for Lent, uh-huh. that everybody gives up chocolate or gives up alcohol or uh-huh. you give up smoking or give up coffee, that's a form of abstinence. Okay. Because I'm abstaining from drinking coffee or I'm uh-huh. abstaining from having alcohol or I'm abstaining from playing video games. That's different than fasting, which is actually is not eating. I see. And what okay. the church suggests, again, it's a suggestion, that the suggestion is that you have... Instead of having three regular-sized meals, you would have two smaller meals. Okay. So, like, no breakfast and a small lunch and a small dinner, mm-hmm. right? But, you know, my mother actually would fast every Friday, and she would only eat bread and water. Yes, and, and I've right? seen that, yeah. Is it a sin if we don't fast, for example? No, no not no, at right? all. No. So, is, and, and, for example, like uh, Friday, it was, you know, it's a um, New Year. It's a Chinese New Year, actually, Friday. Okay, pagan holiday. It's the first yes. day of Chinese New Year, okay? Lunar New Year. 
but yes, uh, for example, <laughs> if I need to, it's a Friday. So, and uh, can we just choose another day to do that? You can. Yes. I can do that, right? Again, it's not yes. about, it's not like you can't be legalistic about this. It's all about okay. your relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So wherever Billy is in his spiritual life, maybe you'd need to just give up playing video games. Maybe How do you know I play video games? <laughs> <laughs> maybe you need to, like, what is that thing that you need to do that maybe you do too much of it? That maybe it's getting in the way of your relationship with God or your relationship with your wife or your I, relationship with anybody? I just stop talking. Okay, maybe you should stop talking. Um, so th- we do less of that. Yeah. We deprive ourselves so that we can focus on a little bit more in our relationship with God. Great. Okay, there you go. Comments at B. Joe Chan. <laughs> At Emmy Callan. Don't send me comments. Just go to our <laughs> website and uh, and click on that tab that says voicemail it. and record something because it's just fun to hear people's voices and make sure you tell us where you're listening from. So thank you very much, Church for Dummies. That was Billy Chan. He, Billy, is a former radio host. He says nobody knows what show that was in. Uh, and uh, he's also our web guru here at Salt and Light. So you can, again, follow him at B. Joe Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, publishing Catholic novels, and we reconnect with the full armor band, so don't go anywhere. Hello, and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. It's hard when people speak about Catholic novels, Catholic authors, or Catholic publishing to know what they mean. Is it a novel that deals with Catholic themes, or is it a novel whose express purpose is to evangelize and teach people about the faith? Is it a a novel that just happens to be written by someone who's Catholic? These are some questions that Deacon Dennis Lambert had to deal with when trying to publish his novel, The Table. And to tell us more, I'm now joined by Deacon Dennis Lambert. Deacon, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Yeah, thank you, Deacon. I appreciate you uh, allowing me on your show. Yeah, this is great. So so tell us a bit about the book. What is The Table about? What's the novel about? Well, the story, it's actually kind of two stories in one that, that kind of meet up in a very interesting way. Uh, the first story, if you will, is about a table, as you can imagine, yeah. uh, which was built by the grandfather of Jesus. Now, the story goes and follows the table from its construction all the way to current times. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you'd have to agree, Deacon, that that has to be one well-built table then, right? Yes. Well, at least, <laughs> yeah, I was going to, yes, at least part of the table yeah. <laughs> makes it to yeah. the, yes. Exactly. Well, don't give it all away now. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, um, yeah, in, in the story, though, we, we see that we see Jesus encountering the table on several occasions. When he's a child, he actually plays beneath it. It appears again with him at the wedding feast of Cana. And then, sadly, at a scourging. Yeah. And then, after the death of Jesus, the apostles appoint a former centurion named Cornelius to become the table's first table bearer, or that's the title they give this individual. Right. And then, armed armed with a mission, Cornelius and his descendants then carry that out that mission out with impeccable dedication. And in the process, the table brings peace and healing to to just about anyone who encounters it. And the other story, which again is juxtaposed together with this one, is the story of a man named Michael Fortunato. He's in his early 30s, living in modern times. And at the very moment that he makes his breakthrough in the music industry, Michael loses the only thing, aside from God, that really mattered to him in this life, and that was his wife, Debbie. Mm-hmm. The loss sends Michael into the center of darkness he, he just seemed to can't get out of. That is until he meets the current table bearer, which is an autistic young man named Anthony, a table, 
and a story that is over 2,000 years old. So right, that's right. the table in short. That's right. And he doesn't know that he's a table bearer. Um, so, so how did you come up with this idea? What was your inspiration for these, these two stories, well, I, was, I guess? I was very intrigued by the whole idea of the story. Paul's the one who has a sick, sick daughter, and he goes to Jesus and says, you know, Jesus, my, my daughter is ill, you know. He was a healer, and Jesus pretty much says, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, okay, let's go, let me take me to your house. And he's, he says, again, those famous wor- words, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. Or not my soul, but yes. his daughter would be healed. And I was always intrigued about what happened to the centurion after this encounter with Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a little digging in, in tradition, and there is too much of a backstory to him, so I just kind of took that idea of a, of a centurion, you know, who had an inward, you know, yearning for truth and was was drawn in by the Lord and kind of went from there with it. Right. And and so and so that was your beginning point and then the whole idea of the table came out of that? Correct. Right. And then what was your idea with having the two stories juxtaposed with, you know, a contemporary story and the story I mean, in a way it's the same story, but it's kind of two things happening at the same time. I'll be honest with you, I don't recall how I came up with it. That was a few years back when I started in on it. Um, but uh, hopefully it works. You know, I drew a little bit on my own experience uh, mm-hmm. you know, in modern times and some of the things that, not that my wife ever passed away, but right. I just drew on some, some experiences. And I, I just like the way that, that, again, going back and forth and then having these two stories actually meet up. Right. What would you say... Uh, you're, and you're the author, so what would you say is the purpose of this novel? Well, the purpose, as I see it, is we should always be evangelizing. Yeah. And fiction, you know, again, usually when people think of Catholic literature, they, they think of the more spiritual, academic, life's about, life about saints. Yeah. Um, all these things that, that, I, that, that, of course, draw me to be closer to the Lord. But fiction is, is an area, too, that has the same capacity, and, and I feel is kind of under utilized or kind of under the radar currently within, within our Catholic um, publishing and literature world. So again, and I, my hope is that, it, again, it can fan, fan the flames of faith for anyone who reads it and draws somebody closer and closer to Jesus in a, in a different venue than what, what most people think about in terms of Catholic publication. So you would say it's, it's Catholic fiction because its express purpose is to bring people closer to their Catholic faith or to learn about the Catholic faith? Well, yes and no. Um, it's Catholic in the sense that the characters yeah. are, are definitely Catholic. The Eucharist is central to it, and this is very different to the, the predominant landscape in what we could call Christian or inspirational fiction, mm-hmm. where, you know, where again, that those things are largely absent. They're usually strongly evangelical, uh, more pr- obviously Protestant. In fact, one of the biggest obstacles I had in publishing this was overcoming bias. Uh, you know, I've back from some, again, the, the larger Christian publishers that, hey, I love your book, you know, if you're willing to take everything Catholic out of it, you know, right. you yeah. so it's, it was a real experience. Yeah, sorry, Dennis, you're cutting out a little bit, so I'm gonna, uh, and I was going to ask you about the challenges, if you don't mind repeating. So you were saying that you, you approached a lot of Christian publishers, and they were not comfortable with the Catholic aspects of your book. Exactly, yeah, exactly, and, and uh, I, I have one, again, the flat out said, if you take everything out out of it that's Catholic, we'd be happy to publish it. So definitely a strong bias, you know, that that's out there in the larger market. And thankfully, there are Catholic publishers 
actually now doing fiction. But the reality, Deacon, is there are so few Catholic publishers in general, and the ones that are out there, you know, many of them don't do much or any publishing of actual fiction. Yeah, so that is true. Avoid there. Yeah, that's true. We've we've dealt with this subject on this show uh, before. So you ended up finding a publisher and route. Are they a Catholic Correct. publisher? Yes, they are. They are a, a small Catholic publisher out of St. Louis. Uh, just totally Catholic. Um, in fact, ten percent of everything that they make it's uh, donated to pro-life causes. Just wow. just an outstanding group. I'm glad I found them. Um, but in large, you know. Definitely my wish is that there could be more outlets for, for Catholic authors, because it is very, very light, uh, and that's where we run into, again, if you're a Catholic and you want some good literature, there's nothing wrong with these other books, but they don't reflect entirely our, our faith. Right. And it's good to have it where you can, you, someone can talk openly about the Eucharist in a story, you know, and not have, again, a publisher or an editor from a, a larger Christian uh, publishing company take those things out, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Would you think that there are so few Catholic publishers or publishers publishing Catholic fiction because there's so many few authors writing Catholic fiction? You know, that is the, that's the million-dollar question. I don't know if that's the case. Um, it's Again, the question might really be, is there a market for it? Because, yeah. again, I spent my, my professional career in the business world in marketing, and I know if there was a market for something, there would be there. So is there a question, are there people there wanting this? Or is there a lot of people wanting it, but it's not there, so they have to default to an alternative, you know, the more Protestant-type uh, inspirational stories. It's kind of the chicken of the age. The best analogy I could, could speak to is, like, uh, Christ, contemporary Christian music. It's, yeah. it's dominated, you know, by, by Protestants. There was a huge bias, thank God, for, for, for Matt Maher breaking through, mm-hmm. you know, but... Aside from him, I mean, there's a lot of great Catholic musicians out there, but you don't hear them on K-Love. You know? No, you don't. You, um, you hear them on this program, though. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but that's the yeah, thing. You know? yeah. It's so. the same with Catholic, when, you know, Christian films, and there's the big resurgence now with Christian-themed films because the, the industry has recognized that there's a market, um, but not all of them have, as you say, expressly Catholic characters or Catholic uh, uh, ideas in it. Would you then say that... Or rather, how how can readers support Catholic fiction and encourage writers to write Catholic fiction? Like, how can we encourage that more? Well, first of all, it would be by actually seeking out, you know, these publications. I mean, looking, Googling, you know, Catholic fiction. Because, again, most points of purchase or where people would normally go to buy these things they're not there. They're going to have to look for the Loyola Presses yes. and some of the other ones and just Googling and, again, start consuming it. Yeah. Um, again, it's the law of supply and demand. Um, we need to pull it through. But I think the first thing is that there has to be a greater awareness of its availability, mm-hmm. and we need to pray. Because, again, there are many large Catholic publishers who put out great books but don't have any avenue for fiction at all. Yeah, you know, that's that, that door starts to open up a little bit more. Absolutely. Okay, we're going to leave it there because we're out of time. But thank you for this conversation. It's a conversation, as I said, we've had before, and I'm sure we're going to continue because it's it's important and it's relevant. And thank you for writing the book. Uh, deacon Dennis Lambert uh, is a permanent deacon for the Diocese of Phoenix. His novel, The Table, is published by Enroute. 
uh, Publishing, and you can find out more at their website, enroutemedia.com. So that's E-N-R-O-U-T-E media, M-E-D-I-A dot com. I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. Deacon, thank you very much for being with us today. Uh, Thank you, Deacon Pedro. Appreciate it very much. Here now is our featured band of the week, Full Armored Band with Blind from their new album, The Things That Last. Sunset fading fast In the light that shines in her evening eyes I can't find you, take off your disguise And the songs I sing and the prayers I pray Get drowned out in my day today On this lonely path on which I tread Doubt becomes my daily bread I must be blind as a beggar I must be proud as a wicked Pharisee I must be deaf, I must be lame This poison flows through all my veins I forged every link in my own chains Still I'm dying to hear you call out my name And the wind it whispers through old oak trees the bird and the brook write their symphonies Thoughts run wild in my cluttered mind I was born to seek but I'm afraid to find I must be blind as a beggar I must be proud as a wicked Pharisee I must be deaf, I must be lame This poison flows through all my veins And I forged every link in my own chains Still I'm dying to hear you call out my name
That was the Full Armor Band with Blind from their new album, The Things That Last. The Full Armor Band was formed 12 years ago when the band was asked to lead music for a new youth mass in their hometown of Middletown, New York. But they're not your typical church music group. They've published five albums, but the last three, which they still sell, What Love Is, None the Same, and now their latest is The Things That Last. To tell us more, I am now joined by Douglas Hutchings. Uh, I was going to say you're the front man, I guess, Doug, but the lead singer, maybe, of the Full Armor Band? That's the closest that we could get to it, I suppose. Um, we kind of split the vocals three ways. But yeah, you do, does, I know. Sadly, most of the talking on stage, yes. Do you do, do, you do most of the songwriting? Um, so, funny thing, up until this record, um, this new one, um, I did do most of the songwriting. I'd say I did probably 80% of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for this new CD, um, and it's one of the things that I've really loved about this new record, is um, everybody in the band kind of um, wrote every song. I mean, if you look at the um, actual liner notes of the record, um, it says all songs written by Douglas Hutchings, Tara Lakeman, um, mm-hmm. Matt Giuliano, and Francis Delinka, who are our four members. So that was a really cool new thing that we did where we kind of made every song a four-way co-write. And I think that kind of creates a more... Um, I don't know, a unified album that we can all really be excited right, about. Right, for sure. So how does that work? Did, does someone show up one day at practice and say, hey, I've got this idea for a song or I have these, this melody and then you guys kind of all work on it or how does the process work generally? Exactly, yeah. I mean, every song on this one was a little different. Like uh, Blind, the one we just uh, listened to, was um, Francis, um, our guitar player, showed up with it one day and, mm-hmm. and it was probably, that song was probably 70% done. I mean, he had done so much with it and it was... You know, it was just a few lyrical things that we changed. Um, so right. that one, you know, was very much him, but we all kind of gave it a little bit of our own. There were other ones where, you know, we started with nothing and it was just the four of us in a room. And there were some where, you know, Tara would show up with a lyric and we would add music. So every song was really different. Um, but, you know, we, we really made the effort to put each of ourselves in every song. Which right. Was, uh, and did tough, you... S- but a good way to do it. Yeah, it is. Uh, do you set out to do an album or was just kind of just songs and songs and then at some point you said hey we have enough songs here for an album yeah you know i think when you when you set out to make an album at the beginning it's not as good as it is if you just naturally (laughs) kind of yeah create songs so i mean every time we make a record i always in my mind say yeah this is probably the last one even though i know it's probably not the last one but Mm -hmm. um i think that mindset helps you just kind of go out and continue you know making music writing music experiencing people and and life and writing songs. And I think without the pressure of, oh, we have to put together an album. Oh, we need one more upbeat song or, oh, we don't have enough ballads or whatever. You know, I think that goes away if you're just thinking, let's write good songs, you know? Right. Did you, um, do you still find that the songs end up being themed in a way just because of where you guys are at in your stage of life or yeah, what's happening? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think, and that's when, you know, when you get closer to actually 
being done with an album, that's when you have to kind of make those decisions and look at the songs and say, you know, we have you know a few here that maybe don't fit with the theme. Right. Um, but generally, I'll say, uh, Deacon, it's it's so funny when you focus kind of on writing and not about what the end product is going to be right away. I think the songs naturally just fit a theme because yeah. life is often you know yeah yeah. Uh, fitting themes at different times in your life. So. Yeah, for sure. So why did you pick that title, The Things That Last? So The Things That Last, it's kind of based on uh, 1 Corinthians, you know, the whole thing with the things that last in our life, our faith, hope, and love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I kind of go at it from this place. Uh, our last CD was called None the Same, and we kind of made it when we were finishing college or just out of college, you know, 22, 23, wow. very optimistic, you know, excited about life, kind of excited about the, the charge to go out and serve. You know, if you listen to the songs on that album, it's very much about um, calling and going out there in this kind of excited optimism. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that last kind of takes you five years later where, you know, you're still trying to live that, but now you're maybe 25, 26, 27, 29 in my case. Right. <laughs> um, and it's not as easy as it was. Um, you know, you experience life, you experience death, you experience um, you know, loss, loss of friendship, loss of uh, band members, loss mm-hmm. of uh, clients if you're in business, loss of health. You know, there's a million things, things that don't last in life. And, and I feel like those things can really take a toll on you, at, especially when it comes to living out calling and, and, and feeling, um, you know, that you can go out and follow your mission in, in life. Um, and so I think um, the things that last kind of, yeah, I mean, it was definitely you know, continuing that calling, um, but with a little bit more of a realistic um, approach where, wow, you know, life is tough and, and there's a lot of things that are going to hinder us, but um, there are three things that we can count on, faith, hope, and love, and ultimately those come from God. Do you think, we just finished having a conversation about Catholic publishing novels, and, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering, I mean, I always ask myself the same question about music. Do you, because you're, I mean, I would never think that your your songs, I mean, you're a Catholic group, you're, you're you you maybe have a specific intent for how your music or you want your music to be used or how you want your music to touch people. But would you say that it's a Catholic album? Well, yeah. You know, I mean, if you're going to be, you know, Catholic in definition means universal. And yeah. um, the thing about this record is I think it, you know, at least I've heard from people, you know, I have friends that are really Catholic and I have friends that are really the opposite of Catholic, you know, and I think... Um, all of the, everybody that's listened to it has kind of said, you know, it feels very human. It feels real, mm-hmm. um, beyond just a quote, you know, religious level. And, and I think that was nice to hear because Catholic is human. It's beyond just religion. It's, it's universal. Um, and so the things we experience and the things in our lives, yes, from a Catholic perspective, we're going to, you know, respond and, and handle those situations in a specific way. Um, but life, you know, life is Catholic struggle and, and hmm. heartache and, and, beauty and joy, those are all Catholic things, you know, whether you're using the word God and Jesus in the song or not, you know. So I, I hope that that reflects yeah, in the song. Yeah, I think it does. Um, what would you say is different about this album for you guys? Well, uh, a lot. I mean, first, certainly the songwriting style. Um, the production for process was so fun for us. Um, our um, our bass player, who, who, who we don't count him as a regular band member, but he may as well be because he tours with us most of the time. He's a guy named uh, Brandon Morrison. He's just one of the most talented musicians that we've ever worked with, mm-hmm. um, and he's a close friend. He actually he was on tour with uh, Donald Fagan from Steely Dan this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's just, you know, we really think he's a cool guy, and he's just our great friend, and um, he produced the record, and it was super cool because he kind of, um, you know, he had access to just amazing, you know, studio musicians, but also allowed us to kind of, you know, really uh, put ourselves onto the record. So we got to spend time, you know, in the studio and, and work through songs and make sounds that we kind of wanted to 
create and not feel as you know stifled by oh we got two hours in the studio today or we're right. paying overtime or all, all that kind of stuff so um i think creatively we were able to really uh take a lot more chances and kind of try things um and certainly you know thematically and spiritually i think it's you know the songs are just more honest it's more real it's uh more adults if, if you're going to look at it that way as opposed to kids coming out of uh, college. high school yeah yeah i guess that makes sense you, that's what you were saying you're you guys yeah. are in a different place um I, I know that you started out as a as a church band, you know, playing for youth mass. You're you've also moved on a little bit from that. Do you do you still see? Yeah. So your... when we, I mean, we initially got our start, I, I guess, twelve years ago. I was a senior in high school. Wow. Um, and I'm turning thirty in May, so hmm. you can do the math. Uh, it's been a while, and um, yeah, about the first four years, that was pretty much our our gig. Was we would do Sunday mass with each other um, at the same parish, this uh, great parish in. Um, Orange County, Middletown, New York, mm-hmm. and um, we did that for years, and then we would you know, play coffee houses and, and kind of wherever we could elsewhere when, you know, when we weren't uh, doing math. Uh, and then, you know, I, I went away to college. I went to school in Nashville, and, and you know, other band members kind of spread their wings a little bit, and so we weren't able to commit to the, the weekly mass, but, um, you know, we, we continued touring as a band and doing a lot more uh, events with our diocese and then, you know, other dioceses and, and around the country. And so what's cool is I think, you know, we're not still doing um, you know, the, the mass at the same church every week, but we're still taking a lot of the things we learned doing that. You know, every time we do an event, we're, you know, usually working with the choirs at the parishes we're at, you know, kind of uh, helping with their liturgies or, you know, doing workshops with their musicians or working with their youth or um, putting on concerts at a parish level. So a lot of the stuff we learned from doing parish ministry yeah. is definitely still a huge part of what we do. That's uh, great. Days. Yeah, and you're still, I mean, obviously writing music and you're still touring and stuff, so I want to let people know that if they're, I guess anywhere in the Pennsylvania area or New York State or in Colorado, you have some dates, um, so they should go to your website. Our dates are kind of always um, being added as they go. Um, So right now I know we have a bunch of stuff coming up in Pennsylvania in June, which is just random. I don't know why, but Pennsylvania wanted us a lot in June, so (laughs) we're going there. And um, we're in New York, of course, so we have a few dates around here. We're going to be out in Colorado in, uh, I think, April. So, yeah, I, I'd yeah. say stay on the, the website, fullarmorband.com slash tour, and um, we're always adding stuff and always kind of trying to come to new areas. So. Absolutely. Anyway, so thank you for that, uh, Douglas. Great being in touch with you. I was very happy when you put out the new album because it was an excuse to get you back on the show. Yeah. Um, I, I love your music, so keep keep it up. Thank you, Deacon. And you do the same. You guys do great work over there. Thank you. You can learn more about the Full Armor Band at their website, fullarmorband.com. And again, if you're in the Pennsylvania, New York State, or Colorado areas, check out the tour dates on the website and because uh, they will be visiting a city near you. Here now is the Full Armor Band with Reach Out from their new album, The Things That Last. When the joy is running dry and smiles are hard to find she can't find the strength to love again The courage in your touch Can make all the difference In the healing of the pain So reach out your hands Reach out your hands, put them on the shoulder of a sister or a brother and reach out your hands. Reach out your 
We're listening to Full Armor Band with Reach Out from their new album, The Things That Last, and that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can always reach us via email at radio at saltandlighttv.org. Facebook and Twitter are also good. There's at Salt and Light TV and I'm at Deacon Pedro GM. I'm at Emmy Callen and Billy is at Bicho Champ. And remember, there's that handy dandy voicemail app off our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. It's easy to use. If you want to send us a comment, um, I'm sure that we can get to play your comment on the air. Remember that you can also subscribe to the free Salt and Light Hour podcast off iTunes. And you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's also where we post links to our artists or our guests, so please go and support what they do. Yes, and thank you for listening. I'm Emily Callen. And I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the, the Salt, Salt and Light, Light Hour. Hour.